Hi, I'm Rick Tittle, and this is the Rick Tittle Podcast on the 8 Side Network. Join me as I get busy with the biggest names in sports and entertainment. And it's our pleasure to welcome the hilarious Guy Branham to the show. He's right here in town at the world-famous Punchline down here on Battery Street this weekend. Guy, welcome to the show. And uh, for you, this is it's kind of like your, your home uh, comedy club, right? Yeah, like San Francisco is where I started comedy many, many years ago. Uh, Punchline was the first club I ever performed at. But, Rick, you have to explain, why am I on your show if you're having Shaquille O'Neal later? That's very impressive. Well, why we, are you wasting time on me? We thought we would start with the good one first. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> and, you you know, you and Shaq, in a kind of a, uh, I mean, you guys, uh, if you if I may be so bold, you kind of have the same physical traits a little bit. You're, you're big guys, you're bald, you're entertainers, right? Uh, yes, he has a strong sketch comedy background. Um, I would say I am less good at doing anything interesting or productive with my body, um, but I am physically large. That is one of that is part of what I am bringing to the table, and one of the ways I got large was by going to the table. Well, you know, um, as someone who grew up five minutes from the Cal campus and uh you know I'm uh, I'm about 10 years older than you but uh you know all through my high school years just going to Blondie's and Top Dog and you're <laughs> you're a Cal guy so how much did you do all that and Steve's Korean and everything else oh I mean look Berkeley took good care of me uh with high quality cheap eats um I actually was just uh like in Berkeley with uh my niece uh, over uh, Labor Day weekend, trying to show her the best of what the East Bay has to offer. Yeah, I went to the Cal game actually on uh, Saturday night. It had been a long time since I've been in that stadium. And as usual, it was about half full, and they lost to a team that they shouldn't have lost to. But that's just kind of the bare tradition, right? One of my favorite things about Berkeley is it's essentially two schools. There's like this like fratty Division One football school like that's Cal and then there is this like you know progressive academic institution um full of you know um like Berkeley ladies in flowing outfits and uh turquoise you know there's like the the Berkeley of it all and that's like they manage to be in the same place and the people in one aren't really aware of what's going on in the other like half the time I was at Berkeley I had no idea when any game was going on yeah, I would say 10% of it is the frat boy, and 90% is the more touchy-feely stuff, right? <laughs> yes, yes. And, but it's, you know, it's the Bay Area. It's full of contrast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a progressive artistic haven that is now only affordable by, like, tech business bros. Gotcha. We're speaking with Guy Branham. He's at the Punchline. And when you were writing for the Daily Cal, you almost got in trouble, didn't you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, like, um, the weekend of the big game, uh, my senior year, I, like, was drunk at a party and realized that I had to write a column for the Daily Cal, so I rushed home and just wrote something about the big game, and that year the big deal at Stanford was that Chelsea Clinton had just started, and I wrote kind of a sassy thing about her, and then two days later, Hillary Clinton sent the, uh, Secret Service to my home to make sure I was not trying to kill her daughter. (laughs) <laughs> Not too bad. Speaking of NorCal, your uh, Yuba City 
kid uh, as well. And, um, you know, for people who don't know Yuba City, it's up there in Sutter County. It's about, what, like 50,000 people. What was, yes. it like, what was it like growing up in uh, Yuba City? It was extremely hot. It was extremely hot and very dusty, and there were lots of prunes and almonds around. Um, and I have to tell you, like many years later, it's exactly the same, if not hotter. If prunes, prunes and autumns, I guess everybody was staying regular, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, we provide dietary fiber to the world. <laughs> we, we keep everybody taking care of their business in the morning. Plus the good people who manufacture our coffee. You know, you're Columbia, you're Madagascar. <laughs> Very good. Uh, your book, My Life as a Goddess, a memoir through unpopular culture, that just came out a couple of years ago. And uh, obviously your education and your former uh, journalism kept you in good stead to write a book. But what, sometimes when you do a memoir, I've been told, that it's hard to hold that mirror up to yourself, right? Yeah, I mean, I like, you know, like I, I tried to be honest about myself and my relationships, but a lot of it I end up just talking about popular culture and that how, how that sort of like informed and guided and uh, directed my journey. I have a, a chapter that is about uh, football movies when I talk about playing high school football. Rick, I have to ask you, what is your favorite sports movie? My, you know what? My favorite sports movie is probably The Damned United about uh, Brian Clough and Leeds. It's a, oh, so, it's a soccer movie. It's a soccer movie. That's, uh, that is very impressive. You know, I have been forced to learn a lot about soccer. Uh, my best friend is married to a respected soccer journalist. Um, and so I have been dragged to the MLS Cup more times than um, I ever imagined in my life. That sounds like a coffee place, huh, the MLS Cup, <laughs> in a way. Uh, and by the way, I don't like, you know, try to put your jokes on tees, but I, I got to say my, my favorite line uh, of yours is <laughs> to, and I'll explain it later, but between you and me, which is bad radio, but the thing about making Asian food also be our tech support, that, that, <laughs> I think that's my favorite line. Oh, that's a deep cut, Rick. I'm impressed that you know that. Yeah, <laughs> hey, I'm a, com- I'm a comedy nerd guy. What can I say? Oh, that's wonderful. Thanks so much. Sure. So, uh, now, you also yeah. are a, you can throw a little JD at the end of your name or an Esquire, can't you? Uh, yeah, I went to law school uh, for no good reason, just because my mom was telling me to, and I wanted to waste my 20s. There's nothing fun that could happen in your 20s, Rick. So instead, I decided to just learn for three years and then never do anything with it. Um, but I like the real value of a law degree is that it kills all the rest of your soul. So you really can just freely argue with people um, anytime you need to. Um, this weekend, I was at the Claremont uh, with my niece and people tried to take our uh, chairs by the pool and... Um, a lot of people wouldn't have made a scene, but I went to law school. I made a scene. I don't use legal knowledge in any way, only the ability to be an ass. Oh, I, I, we're on the radio. I'm right. a-hole with people. So did you list a precedent like Thompson versus South Carolina? <laughs> no, I, I didn't get that JD on people. But the times when I can list a precedent, like truly nothing makes me happier. 
Like the best thing about writing for television is that periodically I get to go argue with some lawyer about whether we should be able to put something on TV or not. And um, it's like, it's fun to win sometimes. <laughs> it is. All right, everybody, make sure you get down to the world-famous Punchline. Remember, it almost closed. It stayed alive, and it's still going strong. One of the best clubs in the country. Anyone who's anybody uh, has been through there. And we have the headliner, Guy Branham. Make sure to uh, check him out there several shows this weekend. Hey, Guy, uh, next time come in studio, man. We're like three blocks from there. I would love to. I would love to. Uh, thanks so much, Rick. This is really fun. All right, good stuff. Guy Branham, everybody. You're listening to the Rick Tittle Podcast on the 8-Side Network. Stay tuned for more. Uh, our good friend, comedian Mo Mandel, is back in town here in San Francisco. He's at the world-famous uh, Punchline, and uh, he's got uh, shows tonight, tomorrow, Saturday as uh, well. And uh, Mo, my man, how have you been doing? Uh, and and, and how, how hard is it to work on a, a fresh hour when during the pandemic you couldn't really run it outside of a, a zoom or two right yeah hey rick thanks for having me back yeah, it is definitely you know i've just been annoying my wife with like all my new material ideas <laughs> i just sort of that's how we do our dinners uh, she eats while i sort of pace around with a fork as a microphone and just sort of run my jokes on her and she's loving it well that's the thing it's like you could either have somebody who will hate everything and roll their eyes or love everything. But with your wife, you're getting a pretty good, she will tell you what stinks and what's, what's great. Yeah, no, she is not the easiest uh, crowd. So something's not hitting. She's going to, she's going to withhold sex until I understand that the jokes <laughs> need some work. <laughs> so effective. So uh, for you, like when you go back into that, I talk about the punchline and of course, it, you know, as we've talked before, it almost went into a new location and you think about Robin Williams and Carvey and Chappelle and all the people that have been in there. Does it kind of feel like, wow, I, it feels like a million years since I was here or is it just like riding a bike? You feel like, man, I was just here. Um, it definitely, it felt like a little while when I walked up to the place, but then once I was on stage, I was like, oh yeah, I completely remember it. Cause I mean, that's probably where I've been on stage more than almost any other club. And so I just, you just know it so well, you know what it feels like to, you know, deal with all the aspects of the room and stuff. So, uh, but I will say crowds seem like just around the country seem a little wilder than yeah. they were before. Like every weekend I have some sort of crazy heckling incident or just even if people are enjoying themselves people are just like a little drunker than usual so it's like, it doesn't matter which club you go to it's like there's something people are still getting their sea legs back about how to like you know be out of the out of their apartment no doubt heckling is sky high and i think other people is for comedians you can get thrown by people who think they're not heckling the people who go whoa yeah you got that right preach brother that throws you too doesn't it yeah. Oh, yeah. There's definitely the people who think they're just helping the show. <laughs> that that happens quite a bit as well. <laughs> I guess I prefer that more than a you suck, but you know it's still pretty annoying. <laughs> um, you're writing for uh, Theo Vaughn's uh, Man Up pilot, and um, Theo, you know, it, it's funny. You can get a New Orleans, Louisiana, and then you can get kind of a backwoods guy like Theo, who's who's so funny. But I was thinking, any similarities from where he grew up to Boonville, California? Yeah, I mean, when I grew up and where he grew up, I mean, definitely 
it's funny. I always joke around with him, like the Castillo. You know his he where the way he describes where he's from, it it sounds so rural, and it sure was rural. It is rural, but where I grew up, like way more rural. But I guess because it's in California, it just doesn't quite have the same sort of thing. But like I grew up on like a real dirt road, and you know, like very much like cows walking around the road, but. Uh, so I think in that sense it's probably similar, but yeah, the way Theo describes his hometown seems something like out of a Mark Twain novel or something. If it's just like completely <laughs> crazy, and that might be the difference between the South and California. Yeah, like I wonder what uh, what do you have? Like do you have like the Rambler and Cecilia's, or what are them restaurants up there? Uh, one by the General Store, <laughs> Lawrence, is that it? Yeah, Lawrence, good and good. Yeah, there you go. We got like three restaurants. Yeah. It's uh, Slim Pickens on date night up there in Northern <laughs> California. Slim Pickens on date night. But it's a sweet little town. No doubt about it. And on the way to Mendocino, a lot of people go through Boonville. Um, you know, it's funny. when I, I, I went to St. Mary's College here, and and they've asked me back to, like, you know, be a guest teacher or whatever for a night. And I always think the kids would be like, you know, because whenever we had anyone in the media when I was in school there, we'd be like, what's it like? What's it like? I go back there, and no one knows who I am. I I always thought they'd I'd get a little more love, you know, working the A's and Raider games and everything. Oh, dude, no. So way. for the, I bring that up because when you go back to Boonville, do they bow down or do they like never heard of them? No, they don't certainly don't bow down. <laughs> They're like, all right, talk about that show. Yeah, I didn't really like it. Like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, I think getting some love of the I guess like you know my generation, but. For people of my parents' generation, they never really, they're never really probably staying awake long enough to watch any TV show I'm on. And then young people don't think anybody's cool unless you're like on TikTok. So you know, right? And, uh, yeah, I guess. But I will. It, it's funny that like you, there was a time when I had recently moved to LA from you know from San Francisco. The first like ten years, I felt like that I had like a real kind of notoriety amongst the comedians up in San Francisco, the new class, they knew the guys down in L.A. who had, who had moved on and were working. But now I feel like they don't. Now I feel like I'll meet people from San Francisco and be like, oh, I didn't know you were from San Francisco. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> They've already moved on to the next class. Yeah. So it last... Makes sense. It's been a while. Yeah. And by the way, we're speaking with Mo Mandel. He's at the world-famous Punchline tonight, tomorrow, Saturday. When we had you on, we were talking about because uh, I, I, you know, preview all the Discovery Channel show, and and we had you on not as a a stand up, but as a host. You had the small town throwdown. How'd that go? It went great. You know, unfortunately, I think COVID. I mean, that was like our special that they were going to use as a pilot. I think COVID kind of killed it because you know the show did great, but then it was like we couldn't do it. And I don't even know if we could still do it. You know, right now people are still masking up in certain places, so. It just kind of, I think it was a victim of, of, of what was going on, unfortunately. You know, I think it's too so interesting about comedy is that, you know, when I was growing up as a kid in the 70s, and if you could just get on Carson, and of course that turned into to Letterman, and now, I mean, you could do a Fallon or a Kimmel, but that's nothing compared to what you'd get from doing Marin or Joe Rogan or like when you went on Adam Carolla. I mean, that's that's where the people are. Isn't that funny? It's very funny, especially because I perform next to Marin and Rogan all the time at a comedy store, and you're just like, God, you're literally just like one inviting me onto your podcast away from like changing my life financially. You know what I mean? And we're talking to each other every night. 
But so far, you've never been like, hey, why don't you come on my show? You know what I mean? You're just waiting for that. So it's kind of weird. It's definitely weird. I was at the store right before the pandemic hit, and Marin was the last guy, and he came out, and he pulled up a stool, and he sat down, and he said, well, I know you guys are having fun, and you're going to tell people the show was great until that old guy with the glasses came out, and he was just, <laughs> the whole thing was yeah. lamenting his life. I mean, it's, uh, and I guess when he interviews uh, people, too, I mean, it's just, uh, it's kind of that style. So for you, when you go on the you you do the pods. Do you kind of adjust to the host, or you just try to stay on this the same old guy? Yeah, man, you got to do whoever you are. You know, there's no point not doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's so funny that he, he uh, I just saw him this week, and he yeah, do this thing, yeah, do this thing. <laughs> He's hilarious. He's like one of my favorites. I always feel like I describe myself as like all parent on steroids. <laughs> Because <laughs> I feel like we have a lot of the mind to uh, whenever I watch Marinette, it's like I love the material like so it's great. But I guess I always feel like I'm like, oh, this is kind of like I I go into a lot of these same areas, you know what I mean? But he somehow is able to approach it much more like a thoughtful, right? A thoughtful way that you can kind of mine it more. But our, our minds are similar in certain ways, for sure. So I, I've often talked to him like, oh, you know, I kind of do this. I think maybe what I was getting at with that last question, too, is like when you did the Burt cast with Kreischer, did you take off your shirt, have some edibles, oh. and drink a case of PBR? <laughs> <laughs> no, I probably should have, though. Probably should have. <laughs> so what's it like when, uh, as I said, you know, when you're when you're in the writer's room, that's a completely different thing um, than, than, than being a stand-up. And we know there are some brilliant, brilliant writers who can't do stand-up, and then there are stand-up guys, they, they just can't take that little room. So how, how how are you able to be successful doing both those things? Yeah, it's a different thing, you know. I mean, you definitely have to be more collaborative when you're in the writer's room, you know. It's just like, it's not just the, the you talk all the time show like stand-up is. So it's kind of good, you know. It's a healthy uh, humilitier, humilitifier. <laughs> makes you a little more humble. I don't know how to say it. Humbler? Because you have to kind of you realize that you don't always have the funniest thing to say, and you don't always have the best, you know, the best take on things. So it's uh, it, it is uh, kind of good, I think. Although it is, it's funny because yeah, a lot of writers are not funny in person, which is weird. Yeah, no, I know it's so true. Um, uh, last hour, I had uh, Michael Ian Black on the show, and I was asking him if if he has anything in the hopper outside of stand up, and he says absolutely nothing. So I, because of the pandemic, I know it's hard to cobble these things together, these, whether it's just a side hustle or a big, you know, movie or something. So how about you? Anything going on besides the stand-up? Yeah, I've got a couple movies in development uh, that I've, I sold one last year that's being, uh, you know, packaged up with producers now. And then I sold, or I got one option that we have a director who's like, you know, hopefully attached to something, doing like multiple rewrites of these, these two projects that I got set up. So... Hoping one of those bad boys takes off. Although I think Michael Ian Black's probably lying too. I'm sure he's got 75 <laughs> things going on. That was based on how that career, that guy's career has always been. Can you mention the names, or are these still embargoed? No, they're still embargoed. But they're both like, you know, big kind of broad comedies. They're not broad, but just like, you know, kind of mainstream comedies. So, yeah, that's what I spent the pandemic doing, just writing screenplays. And so made some, made some uh, strides on that. Oh. So I'm hoping those things happen before yeah. the next pandemic. Congratulations. Last question for you. I remember Mark Norman telling me about, you know, he was trying to pitch an idea about, you know, his lifestyle. He grew up in a 
poor area of New Orleans, and he had a cross-dressing African-American nanny, and he thought it would be good, and he pitched it to every network, every streaming service, and it's the same thing. He'd fly to L.A., and they'd roll their eyes and pretend like they were interested. What's that like when you go to those pitch meetings? Well, now it's pitching someone on Zoom, which is totally bizarre. Mm-hmm. I had one this week, and it's like it's very weird. You're like pitching someone on Zoom. You can hear their kid in the background. You know, it's just like I feel like it's even harder now because there's just like a million distractions for the, for everybody that you're talking to, and you can see five different people at the same time in these little windows, and they're all doing something different. So, yeah, it's a weird dance, man. It's a weird dance. I mean, Mark Norman's so so famous now. I'm sure he could sell whatever he wants. I'm, you know, I would think. He's got a huge career at this point, but it's uh, you know it's tricky. It's tricky. It's all about what that network wants at that time, and so sometimes it's not even your idea. It's just like it just doesn't happen to be what their, their right. initiative is. And they do know? not apparently, according to him, they do not want any more straight white men. They do not want any of that <laughs> right now. Well, I hope he's wrong about that. Or I'm <laughs> Couple of movies in the hopper. You can see them at the punchline tonight, right down here on Battery Street, or tomorrow, or the day after that. And of course, uh, check out all his dates and everything else at MoMandel.com. Mo, thanks for coming on, man, and uh, let's catch up soon. You're listening to the Rick Tittle podcast on the Eight Side Network. Stay tuned for more. All right, uh, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show, Rick Tittle, with you. And uh, when we get Jared Freed, we'll uh, throw him on the air. Tonight, there is a crucial crunch match in World Cup qualifying in CONCACAF out here, peeps, uh, with Mexico. And um, you think about, this will be played in Cincinnati, by the way, the Queen City. And people ask, why would they have it there? They're trying to get it as far away from Mexican fans as they can get it, which is the complete opposite as it used to be. Because it used to be the Triple SF, all they wanted was just to sell tickets. And so they'd have it at the L.A. Coliseum, which was a home game for Mexico. And then we, we, as Americans, would get trounced. Beating Mexico in the Gold Cup final gave a lot of, uh, you know, good feeling towards the, uh, and in that Nations League, gave a lot of good feeling towards the matchup. But this is the one that really matters. Especially when you're at home, because when you play Mexico, the Estadio Azteca in La Ciudad de Mexico, that's basically no bueno, senor. It's not good. So if you think about Christian Pulisic, Thomas Tuchel is hoping he doesn't play tonight. He's his manager at Chelsea. And he's basically, to me, the Christian McCaffrey of soccer. He looks like him. He's an amazing talent. He's one of the best when he's on the pitch, the field, but he's always hurt. Seems like constantly injured. And he just came back from an ankle injury that he picked up against Honduras in September. But from September 10th to November 1st, he did not play a match for club or country. And in fact, if you go back three months, he's only played 173 minutes. So it's safe to say he's not in form because he's not a full fitness. But what role will he play? He's undeniably the best American player, maybe of all time. Does that mean he should start? If he's 100%, he'll be in. Maybe he'll be in even if he's not. They need him, especially as he got the extra time winner in that, as I mentioned, the CONCACAF Nations Leagues final. If you want to know what CONCACAF is, that's just our area. The Confederation of Northern Caribbean and North American Football Federations. 
It's UEFA in Europe. It's the CAF in Africa. It's CONMEBOL in South America. You get it. If he does play, uh, it's something that we definitely, <laughs> if, let's just say he has to play. And then you look at Ricardo Pepe. Pepe had the fans excited at the striker position, except he hasn't scored in his last six games. And if you go back to his time in Dallas, the MLS, in his last nine games, he had one goal. So wouldn't it be better that he gets a goal here? This is a country that he could have played for. And that happens often. And in the old days, they would just pick Mexico because they wanted to go to the World Cup. And I completely understand that. I'm eligible to play for two countries, USA, obviously as a citizen. I'm also eligible to play for Denmark uh, because my grandfather was born there, except Denmark's better than the USA, (laughs) and I'm too old, and I was never good enough. Just telling you I'm qualified. I remember years ago, almost 20 years ago, I was wondering, you know, to to work in the European Union, I always thought, like, you know, if if I ever, like, just got a part-time job there, I would need a European passport, so... I was going there a lot, and I actually called up the Danish consulate, and I said, is there any way I can get a Danish passport? And the guy went, what? What are you talking about? I said, is there any way? He goes, why? So my grandfather's from there? He went, no. <laughs> it's almost like I, and it's, you know, it was the correct response. But I don't know. <clears throat> I have a friend who, he's Jewish. He got an Israeli passport. He'd never been there in his life. Just because he's Jewish, and I'm like, man, I'm jealous. I want to, when the terrorists come, I want to show them that I'm Danish. Maybe that would be it. All right. Uh, it's great to uh, bring in comedian uh, Jared Freed once again. He is at Helium Buffalo. Get your tickets at heliumcomedy.com. J Train, good to have you back, man. How do you find Buffalo? Is it your type of town? Do we have Jared? Hello, Jared. Hello. There you are. We got you. What do you think of the, the, the upstaters there, them Buffalo people? I'm a Buffalo fan. I like towns where they have, like, older men who don't swear, but they use, like, alternate words. Like, they'll call someone, like, a smart aleck. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's Buffalo. That's Kansas City. Like, I like those type of towns. And, and they all – the type of town – that cares about where you eat their food. And it's like an emotional, angry almost <laughs> suggestion. Like, I was, you know, I, I, it became per, I was just in the Uber from the airport, and I go, where do I get the wings? I just, I just like hearing people talk about where they get wings. Yeah. You know? Like, and they're passionate. That happens, I, I don't know why, Kansas City, the same thing, they'll do that with barbecue. They're like, you know, this you know, it's a reflection on the person. You know. Well, I remember one time I was in Philly and I got um, like at one a.m. I went to South Philly to gyms to get a cheesesteak, and I told a guy from Philadelphia, I was like, I'm like, yeah, it wasn't that great. He goes, Why did you go to gyms? And he started like throwing stuff, and I'm like, <laughs> why, why do you care? I went to gyms six months ago, and now you're breaking things in your own house. <laughs> yeah, it is though. It is a personal affront. <laughs> and and 
It goes the other way too. Like if 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 you say to someone, "Yeah, I went to gyms and they like love gyms," they're like they like grab their chest. They're like, "Good, oh thank goodness, thank goodness you chose correctly." Like like as if the town, you know, you 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 would never go back to the town again because you chose gym. You know, I have found Jared that if I want food, I just put on the old board lord. There you go. You're talking to the right guy, then. Uh, A lot of charcuterie opinions here for the listeners. They might not know. Nobody, I'm just giving a little plug there. If you go to uh, jaredfried.com, he's got a charcuterie board. No one is more, I mean, most comedians bring a box of T-shirts and then they stand outside and Mm. sell them if they want to do that. But you are probably (laughs) the most creative. You'll, I have an idea that if somebody says to you, Hey, I got an idea for a T-shirt, and it's... And then you go, sounds good, let's do it. I... I... Listen, I like... I, we live in a on-demand age. These things... I don't have to carry them around now. You can just go to my website and get them. Um, but I do like that I've create. You know, I'm the only comedian selling a charcuterie board <laughs> after shows. I, I can proudly and safely say that. I don't think there's a lot of comics that are sitting there being like, hey, I, I got a great spot for your prosciutto. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to ask you, as you uh, will be doing your next show, I'll just say it's in an area near Buffalo. I don't want to make, I don't want to say anything bad about the club, but comedians tell me they always try to get out of that gig because they hate the town so much. Is that, are you on board with that what? sentiment? Yeah. No. They don't like Buffalo? No, no, not Buffalo. The, the town's coming up next on your the tour. Town's com- oh, I don't... Oh, I, I'm okay. Here's the thing. I, <laughs> I like doing stand-up. Really, what I, the only thing I care about when I do stand-up is that there's a bathroom inside the green room. <laughs> if you're a club with a bathroom inside the green room, I'm going to have a fun weekend. And I know this sounds a little prima donnish, a little very specific, but I, I can't... I get, an, I get a queasy stomach before I go on stage. So if anyone's ever been to my shows, yes, within 10 minutes of me going on stage, I am just sitting on a toilet. And it's embarrassing when you're in... Like, you know, the, the person's on, you know, the host goes up and is like, okay, uh, we having a good time tonight, take care of the wait staff. And someone could be in the bathroom and then I'm in there like washing my hands and then they go, and your headliner, Jared Free, and I walk up. Someone's like, I just saw that guy in the bathroom. Like, it's like, it just ruins the illusion, <laughs> if there is any, that I am a professional in any case. So... You know, it doesn't matter the town or where I'm at. I and I, the people who come and see me that know what I do, they're always fun and just ready to like have the best time. They're not like, you know, the audience that I've somehow, you know, run with um, is not. You know, they're not comedy nerds. They're not, you know, dissecting jokes. They're there to dance, and so am I. So, you know, I just. I always have a good time with those people. And then I think everyone else who doesn't know me, if they're just off the street or they came with a friend, they start dancing too because nobody wants to be the miserable person at a party. So I generally have a good time as long as there's that bathroom in the green room that I can just sit with my thoughts for 10 minutes. 
Very cool. And for people who don't know the uh, J Train podcast, you know, a lot of these podcasts have memberships and Patreon levels and things. And uh, and you do. You can go five months, fifteen or five dollars, uh, fifteen dollars, fifty dollars. Does that get a kiss on the mm. lips? What happens with fifty dollars? You can get a dating app makeover. So <laughs> what I do is I will give you an honest review of your dating app profile. And I'm not doing this for jokes. Mm-hmm. I take it very seriously, um, and I give you know I think I think comedians generally have a good way about giving you know giving you honesty without judgment, and because sometimes honesty can feel judgmental, and it's like no 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 I'm just giving and and sometimes people just don't know how to do it, and that's okay. I think that's what people come to the J Train podcast for: honesty without judgment and having uncomfortable conversations comfortably. So. I will look at your dating profile and then I'll, you know, it's like a doctor. I got to take a look. I'll go through it. I'll give a review and then I'll have you send back. I'll, I'll usually what happens, I'll say, okay, send me three pictures of this, three, three pictures of you alone, three pictures of you with friends, three pictures um, that you like and no glasses in any of the pictures. You can't be wearing sunglasses. <laughs> and then they come back and then I also, have them answer the prompts or the bio, and I say the, the biggest mistake people make is they try to be funny too much. And I go, and I, so I say to them, write me an answer to this bio without ever trying to be funny. I want the most honest, vulnerable answer you've ever given, and then I punch it up. Mm-hmm. I do some punch up work on their prompts right. because I just I don't want to be someone else. I don't want them to try you know make a profile that's me. I want them to make a profile that's them. So. The profile, so when they're honest and vulnerable and tell me what they're looking for, then I come in and judge it up. I'm like a stylist. Very cool. Everybody, make sure to get to Helium tonight in Buffalo. Two shows, two shows on Saturday. You can go to heliumcomedy.com to check it out. And, of course, the J-Train podcast. Jared, great to have you on, man. And uh, you come out here to Cobbs or uh, Punchline. We'd love to have you in studio, buddy. It's always good to talk to you. You have such a great, you know, knowledge of uh, all comedy and stuff. It's so it's always so good to like get on the phone, and I would love to come in studio. All right, thanks a lot, my man. Have a great weekend. Later. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.